Okay, we're live, and this is lesson four of Biblical Well. Gregory. And we indeed saved the best for last. <laughs> because tonight's class, tonight's discussion, I should say, I really like to call this a discussion because I look for your input, is all about giving. This was a chapter of the book that I went through that sparked this entire series, but there wasn't a huge focus on it. The book was a lot of quotes and whatnot, and so we're going to go through some of that, but I brought in some quotes from the Apostolic Scriptures, as well as Rambam's Eight Levels of Tzedakah. Mm. So that's what we're going to go through tonight. To kick things off, there's this great quote from Shemot Rabbah 31.5, and it says, There is a built-in connection between heaven's blessings and the attribute of giving. The one depends on the other. The reason for this is that Hashem gives a person wealth not only to take care of himself, but also for the benefit of others. The verse says, lend my people money. And who are your people? Israel asks, the poor, he answers. So, I think a lot of us from our Christian backgrounds or whatnot, a lot of us know the importance of giving. So tonight, there's not probably going to be a ton of new things, but I really, one of the main things I wanted everyone to get out of was being inspired and have a renewed vigor in their giving. Because it is very important and it's easy when you got things set to auto pay or whatever to just not really think much about it. But hopefully going through a lot of the scripture and hearing the word of God surrounding giving will get us really excited once again for the importance of tzedakah and the importance of giving. So, can someone read for me Luke 6, 30? Luke 6, chapter, chapter 6, verse 30. I got it. Go ahead. Unless you got it. You're too slow. He's still flipping. Yeah. All right, so give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. Mm. If you were already looking it up, Joshua, go ahead and do uh, Luke 6, 38. Verse 38. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure, for with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. <clears throat> Very important. So... Clearly, Yeshua is playing off of this idea that there is almost like scales, and the amount that you put on the scale that you're giving away is a bit of a measure of how much Hashem blesses you with. And so that goes back to our first quote that talked about there being a connection between heaven's blessing and giving, and that they, they played off of one another. The, uh, th there's a, a couple other really interesting quotes here. One was uh, Rabbi Yitzhak said, those who run to do tzedakah, Hashem readies money for them that they may do tzedakah. So it's the same idea, where it's like the enthusiasm, the excitement of actually giving then brings more wealth to then give away. So it's a, it's a beautiful cycle that, that gets created there. This is also from Shemot Rabbah 31.2, and it says, Rabbi Avihu said, the gift of man enriches him. This is from Proverbs 18. That which he gives the poor helps him succeed. Mm. So this is tying success to giving. Rabbi so, Leffen has a very interesting theory on this. Um, and talking about the idea that people who are financially successful are partly people who do not have, they're not... Um, they're not miserly. They're not the types to like hoard money. In order to be successful, you have to be willing to invest. You have to be willing to use it. You have to be willing to, to spend it in, in certain ways in order to achieve more wealth. Um, and that, that like kind of, it's almost like, so it's not just there's a, there's a spiritual cosmic reason why you're generous and then you're financially successful. There's actually a logical reason that the types of people who give money away are also types of people who treat money in general the right way. So in reading Daniel Oppen this week, um, he was saying along those same lines that um, 
our, our goal here on the planet is to make connections and make God known, right? To, to be his emissary. And if we're going to make God known and we're going to make these connections and do many of them, by definition, this is his will and we will be blessed for it. And if you do that, you will gain wealth just by doing that. You may not gain a lot of wealth, but it's based on how much you put into it. Um, those who are blessed with a lot of wealth then are commanded to bless others through that wealth so that you're giving or God is giving through you. But he ties it all back to our original mandate on this planet, and that is to make connections with other people so that God will be made known through us. And yeah. in so doing, there's blessing, and it is monetary. And I think that your point is good about the idea of generosity because it's, it's, um, it's for everyone. I think yeah. there's, a, there's a mistake sometimes that gets idea of like the rich have to do their share. This is like this idea that, but the implication is no one else needs to. <laughs> they automatically do their share by not being rich or something along those lines. Um, but that's not the case at all. The generosity actually of the poor man is considered by God to be especially precious. Yeah, even better um, than the rich man. Right, because yeah. he, has, he has so little. Um, we have the story of the widow of the mites, but also um, in, in Talmud references, when they talk about the sacrifices, after the, 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 um, the poor man offers grain, it's the, it's the least expensive offering, and Rashi notes that it's the only sacrifice that's compared to the soul, because it's as if he's giving up his very soul. So nice. it's, a, it's a really a neat idea that generosity is, is actually um, encouraged and counted quite beautiful from the poor man, even if it's a small amount. So mm -hmm. I think it's important to keep that in mind because there's a tendency, I, I think it's, a, it's somewhat of, it's not a mistake, but it's, it's an oversimplification, to act like people are given wealth just so they can give it away. Right. There's, in fact, we'll even get to a point where there's a, a halakha about how much you're allowed to give away. Of your of your money, that would be helpful. Um, but yeah, the, I was going to add on to your point, Joshua, about Rabbi Lapham, that I think it goes back to part of what we were talking about, where there is a there's a sense of wisdom that comes along with the generosity in because like I, one one characteristic that really stood out to me that I didn't realize about wealthy people is they are absolutely obsessed with not losing money. So it's like, it's not that because they're generous, they become like more, they have a stronger appetite for risk as much, but I think it's like, there's a, there's a recognition of when there's an opportunity that is more, that stands out above others, right? Because like one of the, one of the key ways of giving is understanding that anytime you come into contact with a poor person or anytime you have an opportunity to give that Hashem brought that to you as a gift, and when you make that connection, I think to Rabbi Daniel Lappin's point in the business world, it's like you're, you're almost more spiritually attuned to when Hashem is presenting other really good, wise opportunities your way to capitalize on them. Because that is a really, there's a good point, I think, that, it, that there is, you need to spend money to make money. You need to be, you need to invest. But like, it, it's interesting to see that there's this balance between investing, but then also being very wise, being very careful with with taking on lots of risk and whatnot. So, at least from from the righteous. Anyway, um, yeah, that that is uh, there. One of the, the quotes here about the top is uh, about the the cap is right here from Ketu Vote. 50A. Oh, yeah, of course. Right, yeah. Uh, Micah knew that one, but for the rest of us. It says, one who scatters his money should not scatter more than a fifth of his wealth, that he should not come to depend on others. Mm. So I think it's cool. I mean, obviously, clearly Hashem built into the design of giving a percentage. Because even if you think about a field, 
you have a guy who has an absolutely giant field, clearly his gleanings are going to be much more significant to the guy than smaller field. Yet they're both <coughs> commanded to leave the gleanings on the corners. But not only that, even in his word, if you make a mistake, if something breaks, it's still a fifth. So it's always a percentage. Yeah. yeah. Right? So whether no, no matter how big you are or what you borrow, it's it's a percentage, not a specific number. That's that's clever. Mm -hmm. I also like how um, God takes a pretty uh, wide-ranging approach to charity. So there's these a couple of <coughs> there's a couple of charitable points that are percentages, ten percent for the for the sort of for the priest, but you kind of also share in that ten percent. There's a ten percent for um, the actual of the priest. And other years, uh, one of those ten percent becomes ten percent for the poor. So on an average, on every year, or the widow, the woman, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's every year, there's a twenty percent tithe, essentially, um, split into different groups. Then there's the gleanings, which, to your point, which is really fascinating because the tithe you're talking about here's the stuff that you've accumulated, that you've worked hard for, and that you're going to give away. The gleanings is a totally different category. That's almost like stuff that was like. Um, almost not even worth your trouble, you know? It's like, it's the corners of the field, it's stuff that falls on the ground, it's the stuff that you dropped. It's, it's like, it's, it's not, it's almost like God has like, um, and that's the stuff that doesn't have a percentage tied to it. It's almost like God has this almost like compassion on the people to be like, I understand it's hard to give up stuff you've really worked hard for. Now you've planted this and you've nurtured it and you've gotten it there, so it's still something you've lost in a sense, you're giving away. But it's almost like that's the stuff that you can give away as much as you want. In, in, in that regard, I'm in the IT business, and I'm short of fields, really, and gleanings. Um, but our practice... There now again, you have a server that you just kind of, you know... Yeah, well, we, yeah, you're, I see where you're going, right? Leave on the streets. <laughs> so, so what we do is, um, for the gleanings, we wait for people to call. Do you have, you know, an extra computer? A laptop laying around that we could uh, get from you, you know that kind of thing. So I save those those things. I put them on the shelf and I just wait. And I'm reminded, uh, probably ten years ago, of a of a laptop that was donated. A, a business owner who was very wealthy decided to step up when uh, a new laptop came out and. He handed me a, like a, a one-year-old, one-and-a-half-year-old laptop that was in primo condition. And it was pretty swanky. And I put it on the shelf thinking, who's, who's that going to go to? I was so excited. Because it wasn't up to me. God would move a heart to call this no-name IT company and see if we had anything. And they did. And the blessing for the missionary who went to Africa with this laptop on his motorcycle that he had built with the extra rebar stuff to protect all his gear was, was such a blessing. And that's what we do with, with the, the gleanings thing. As we pick up stuff, you want it, it's yours. And I don't care if you make money, don't have money, owe money, it doesn't matter. You you ask, who am I to say no? It's like you're picking it off off the ground. And it's uh, it's been especially neat to watch as God has worked. But we're faking it. Because it's it's not a field, it's IT, you know. That's very cool. It's a cool story. Can someone grab Proverbs chapter 11, verses 24 through 25? Proverbs how many? Who did what? Proverbs 11, verses 24 through 25. Got it. You got it? No. All right, how about Proverbs 19:7? All right, I got 24 to 25. <coughs> One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give, and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and one who waters will himself be watered. 
That's cool. What does that sound like? <laughs> the manna, right? That's exactly what was happening with them. They would, some would, would grab as much as they could, and they only had enough that was, uh, they only had what was sufficient for them, and others would only grab a little. So it's kind of the, the opposite idea, but the, 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 here we see that there is this connection between the one that gives and the one that grows richer. Okay, and that's the part of why we're talking about this in a wealth class, is this is a crucial, crucial point to building wealth and to tapping into Hashem's blessing. Because we, it's not necessarily that we want to give in order to become wealthy, but part of this class has been to focus our attention on being wise, righteous men. And because of that, Hashem would bless us with wealth. So, who has Proverbs 19, 17? Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will pay him for his deed. That's always uh, an interesting kind of verse. The, uh, there was this, this story that I read, I think it was on Chabad.org, and I had never seen Zadaka this way, but it, was, uh, it, it, it gave two examples. And one, in one example, a man gives another man $100. And then it's later that someone comes up to the man who just received $100, and says, hey, I need to borrow $20. Do you have $20? And it's very hard for that man to give up the $20. He just received $100, and it, it's tough. It, it, there's just a, a, a rub there. And it flipped it around and said, but what if the man gave the person $100 and said, oh, by the way, here's $100. 80 of this is for you, and 20 of this I want you to give away. How much easier would that that's be right. for right. when the guy comes up to him and asks for $20, for him to give up the $20? He would be overjoyed that he found the guy who the 20 belongs to. That is the way that this rabbi was explaining how tzedakah should work for us. When we receive our paycheck, when we receive money, we should be excited for the opportunity to give away the 10%. Because that's why Hashem gave us that amount, because 10% of it goes to someone else. Yeah, and I think that um, I think it's one argument for um, the wisdom of budgeting your sadaka. Um, I think there's a there's a misnomer that somehow charity has to hurt. It doesn't have to hurt. Right. Charity should be fun. Should and be I fun. think that um, I think when you automatically budget that at the beginning, it makes it so much easier. That doesn't mean you can't give more than that. Maybe that might hurt a little bit to some degree, but. I think that um, it should be open to that, but I think that I think that budgeting it helps because on a monthly basis you may have certain organizations you really want to give to, and maybe you have like a little bit in kind of like a um, you know an, a, a, an extra fund for those situations that arise as they come up, and then instead of feeling like oh man this was money that I was hoping to go out to dinner with, instead you're like oh wow this is who I get to get this to because you were already planning to give it away, and I think that's a good yeah. thing. I don't think it's a bad thing. Uh, agreed. I, I really like that. I, I also like Mike's verse. Um, it says that um, it says so God's lending money. There's a really powerful midrash um, on that concept that said they actually play off that verse and they go to another verse that says that the um, the, uh, the borrower is servant to the lender, and they say <coughs> you know if it were possible, God forbid, that God could be your servant, so to speak. But in a sense, when you give to someone else, you are literally doing God's work for him. Amen. And that act on, your on, on his behalf, in a sense, almost makes him as though, it's almost as though God is borrowing money from you. And so the- He's in your debt. Right, so it's like yeah. the, rabbis, the rabbis then play off of that and they say, well, it's so obvious that God would bless you with that, you know? It's like, like he owes you, so to speak, not literally. We shouldn't take it so so simply, but but that's to emphasize the importance of tzedakah to God. To emphasize the importance, but then uh, the, in in the book where it mentioned that, it also references. It takes a step further and says, he always repays. Amen. He is if if you know as you put it. I mean, you have to be delicate with that. But if God was in your debt, you know that out of anyone, <laughs> he would be good for it. Right. And, and he would really bless you for it. So, yes, exactly. Which is really point. cool because, I mean, it is amazing to watch um, 
it's a beautiful thing to to be generous sometimes when you you don't have a lot and then to watch God bless and give you more opportunities to be more generous and you and that feeling of exactly what you're describing where you're 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 watching God and you just you just know he's coming through you know it's not just that it's not just that well God bless me I'm happy to give it away it, it, you do feel that sense of God's fulfilling his promise I don't want to. I'm I'm hesitating mentioning this because it, it makes it sound like I've I've gotten to some level that some other guys haven't gotten to, and it has nothing to do with me. So, um, if you can't appreciate that, then you either don't know me or maybe you don't know God. Um, but since I own a company, we've made a lot of money. Um, we've we've tried to to give more. And, and you get to this point where, as an individual, you don't have to worry about, um, if I do what I'm led to do right now, am I going to be able to make ends meet? You get beyond that to where it's not just that, it's more of, uh, I'm a, I, I've, been, I've been placed in a conduit role, you know, uh, where's all this going to go? And you're you're looking for who God is bringing to you. I, I got to tell you, uh, guys, if if you get there when, when God blesses you, that's really an amazing place to be, and because you realize it's nothing to do with me. Who owns a cattle on a thousand hills? He just dumped a bunch of it in my lap. The stupidest thing I could do is assume that this is mine. It's not mine. He gave it to me in order to distribute it to the people he wants to distribute it to. And, and, and playing off cool. of that goes back to, I think you mentioned last week, the, the tradition in Rosh Hashanah that um, the rabbis teach that God determines how much money you'll earn for the entire year on Rosh Hashanah. It's a judgment day. With and the exception of how much you spend on Shabbat and Yom Tov. Right, right, yeah, yes. <laughs> but everything else, God sets. It's a set number, and you can't right. change it. And I think if you think about it that way, then it does change your view of charity, because you literally, you're literally you're giving away somebody else's money. Right. right. It's not yours. It's it was never yours. meant to be yours. In fact, the sages go so far as to say that if you don't give away a sufficient amount of charity during the year that you're supposed to, that God will extract it from you in other ways. Because right, right. it's yeah. not yours. There's a Talmudic story of the guy who... Iron taxes. Who, yeah. yeah, that's actually... The story is that he was meant to give away a certain amount, and he, he didn't. didn't. And then a tax collector came and took the rest of it yeah. <laughs> right before Rosh Hashanah. Yeah, if you, if you think of, you know, this is how much I'm supposed to make, and we should, we should be satisfied with that. And anything up here... <coughs> you know, we need to be quick to send it out. It's not ours. There is, a, I, 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 it was late in life that I heard this, and I, I want to instill this in my children, but there was a, a great lesson in teaching how a dollar is broken down to your child. And it's like, you see the dollar, and it's like, this isn't your dollar. You and the and, and the whole the idea is that you start breaking down the visual. So you take the dollar and you go, okay, well, ten cents of that goes to charity. Twenty cents of that I save. So what I'm really left with is seventy cents out of this dollar. And and then you know, you could even add on to that as they get older, like taxes and stuff. But the idea being like anytime you see a number, you should automatically it should just be instinctual, habitual that you chop off savings and your your charity. Uh, this was it, it, along that line. I, I always love these little quotes just because, again, I think they're inspirational, but this is from Baba Batra 9b, and it says, Rabbi Yehoshua ben Levi said, all who accustom themselves to do tzedakah merit sons who are wise, wealthy, and loved. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> you know, and it's just, it's really cool. It, it's, it's an inspirational thing to think about. Uh, 
this is also a, a great quote here from Gitin 7b that says, the charity a person gives has a direct influence on his income, like fertilizer on a plant. Rav Avira taught, if a person sees that his income is shrinking, let him convert it to charity. How much more then should he give it when his income grows? Then there's a great quote from the Pirkei Avot chapter 3, uh, verse 13, that's Rabbi Akiva said, tithing is a fence for wealth. I, I love that because the, the idea that we've seen, the antithesis of giving being one that is stingy, Joshua's point before, it's clear that that wealth gets redistributed in other ways. If yeah. you don't give it, it's coming out of there some way, shape, or form. And so this is just a neat way of thinking about that where it's like, oh yeah, so tzedakah, like the, the allotted amount, is basically like putting up a little protective fence for your wealth, knowing that, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, I, I'm going to just go ahead and give it because I, I don't want that to go to something that could be far less righteous, you know? Because that's, that's the real, that was the power of the story of the tax collector, was the man was so sad that he didn't have the opportunity for that money mm -hmm. to actually get given. And it was such a lesson for him where it was like, wow, see, that could have actually went to a poor person to eat, right. but instead because I did the wrong thing to give it away. Now it went to the government. And who knows that went. Yes, sir. And um, if is and if we truly um, have the amount of money set that we are going to get set on Rosh Hashanah, then it can never hurt to get to give too much because the Lord will find a way that we get the amount he has designed designated for us to get. That's right. <coughs> well and I, and I love the um, I think again, it helps to think to visualize this in the terms of the, the farmer in the field, because you know in our in our modern, it's hard for us sometimes. We have a salary to figure out where's this money coming from. How right. could God bless me more, right? But um, if you think about money as being a modern equivalent to a field, you realize that's exactly how God blesses me more. It comes out of nowhere. I mean, I've literally had situations where like I've received. Um, not a lot, but like money in the mail. You know, I actually had time one time where I was like, you've been named in a class action lawsuit and here's $25. And it's like, oh, well, thank you. I didn't do anything for that, you know? And like little it's money. Like, it's like playing Monopoly. Right, it's like all of a sudden you, you roll your dice and something shows up and it's like, and God has a funny way of doing that. And then other times, you know, you get bonuses you didn't expect to receive. Your company does better than you thought that they would. Um, you know, taxes are less. You get a bigger tax for, uh, benefit back. All these types of things. I have found that it seems almost uncanny how the amount of money that I'm supposed to have or I should have doesn't, you know, it doesn't always feel like that's what we end up with at the end. I don't know. It's like I, I feel like God always gives enough. He always provides enough. And it doesn't necessarily matter how much I thought that I was going to have. It would always be enough. Kind of like the manna story. Yeah. Yeah. And then if you think about that idea that, like, that God's, that's, that God has total power over that, then there is no fear in being generous. Because not only is it not your money to begin with, but God can very easily replicate that. Mm. Absolutely. Or remove it. Yeah. Right. Here, so to that point, uh, Shabbos 119a, uh, it says, Rebbe asked Rabbi Yishmael ben Rebbe Yossi, how do the wealthy of Eretz Yisrael merit their wealth? Through tithing their income, he answered. Nice. And then Rav Nachman bar Yitzhak said, if a person gives his tithes, he becomes wealthy. That's from Rachot 63a. There, there, are, there are just quote after quote after quote from Talmudic references. <coughs> I mean, this is actually a great one because it, in addition to just, because these are driving home the point that we keep mentioning, which is like, yes, you, you give your money away and Hashem continues to bless you with money. This is a neat way of seeing it from perspective of the world to come. This is from Derek Eretz Zuta 4. If you merit money, use it for tzedakah. Thus, you buy yourself this world and inherit the world to come. But if you not use it for tzedakah, you may suddenly find that it is flown away. Mm. And then uh, this is from Shemot Rabbah 31.2, and it says, Rab Avi Avahu taught, 
Hashem tests the rich man. Will he open his hand to the poor? If he passes his test, he may enjoy his wealth in this world, while the reward for his mitzvot awaits him in the world to come. Mm. But if he is mean, he and his money are destroyed, even in this world. And I think if you watch the super wealthy of this world, even the non-religious, are incredibly generous. Mm-hmm. I mean... And, and they didn't become money. that way when they became wealthy. If you look back, in every case I've looked into, it was their habit. It was their natural bent. They would do that. And it's almost as if wealth is a byproduct of their habit. Which is amazing, because you think, like, if, if, if God rewards... Even paganism. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say the wicked, necessarily, but that, that kind of, you know, the, the, the atheist for being generous. How much more would he not take care of his own children Amen. when they bless others? I mean, <laughs> Amen. If you are charitable for the wrong reasons, is it charity? So say, I'm super wealthy, and I donate $600 million to some hospital just because I know it's going to get me a bunch of press. Is that still charity? or? That's a great question, Joshua. So the there is uh, eight levels of tzedakah or charity that, that Rambam has, and that actually is the very last level. <laughs> I mean, it's it, the bottom. Yeah, it's, it's the very bottom. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, it, it is... Yeah. It, it's very significant, right? The action is, is a, a, a big deal, but I think Rambam is pointing out. And even, uh, I mean, the, the Second Corinthians passage, Second Corinthians 9, about like God loves a cheerful giver. And the left hand and right hand not knowing what they're doing. Right, Yeshua's oh, comments sure. about, about the, 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 the hypocrites who give money just to get praise and they have received the reward. In the full. open. Yeah, right. <laughs> the, yeah, there, there is a, exactly. They've received their reward right now. I, yeah, exactly. I think it's, it's a good thing, but it's not nearly as good as it could be. Mm-hmm. Put it that way. Yeah, um, we're, I, I'm excited about getting to that too because there's there's some good there's some really interesting principles in those levels. <coughs> this one I specifically grabbed just for you, Dad. This is Ahavat Chesed, two twenty, and this says when a person gives a cut of his profits to heavenly causes, he effectively makes Hashem a partner in his enterprise. This automatically enhances his business. Moreover, since his business is now furthering Hashem's interests, the whole business takes on the character of a mitzvah and gives him a special merit. Now, that was really cool. I thought, I thought about you because, it, to your point, uh, I think it's Dave Ramsey that always likes to say that money is the great amplifier. If you're an angry person, you're going to be far more angry when you're wealthy. If you are a stingy person, you are only going to be more stingy someday. If you're a generous person, you start off as a generous person, you're, it's going to carry on through into your wealthy time. And uh, I, I think even before you had a business, being generous had then made it a non-option almost. That Of course, when you even have a business, you're going to be generous. But I just think this is a, a really neat way of looking at that, that Hashem is partnering with the enterprise. I think it's really cool. That's very kind of you. Thank you. Pure about chapter 2, verse 7 says, The more charity, the more peace. There is a bunch of quotes, too, from Rebbe Nachman that I had grabbed because he is also really big into charity. So the head of the Breslov movement, uh, really, I'll just run through a couple of them because they're really cool. Giving charity expands and elevates the mind, and this brings blessing and livelihood. Through charity comes wisdom. The tithe we give to charity brings us contentment. Charity protects against immoral fantasies. And the charity is a comprehensive tikkun for business activity. With every step a person takes as he goes about his business, with every word he speaks and every ounce of strength he puts into his work, he should have it in mind that his only goal is to give charity from the money he earns. There's a, uh, uh, another principle, and I think it comes from the first group, but I can't remember now. So I'm going to speak in the name of Colby Foster because I can't remember where he got <laughs> But the idea was that charity makes you less angry. 
great idea because uh, you mentioned bring comes peace. Um, charity helps you helps you work anger because I have to say it's every now and again you know you that feeling you know when someone comes and asks you for money, there is that sense of anger sometimes that sense of this is mine you do not work for it and you have the gall to come up to me and ask me for it or in some cases even worse ask me for more because I didn't give you enough the first time or whatever it might be so there's that it's 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 not it's not a good thing but it's like it helps you it helps surface that anger helps you learn about it helps you deal with it yeah. um helps you realize it's not there and then hopefully in practice giving cheerfully it helps you undercut that that anger that sense of entitlement like this is mine because it's not yours right it's not and the more you right. practice giving it away the less you feel hopefully that 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 attachment to it exactly all right, let's, go, let's jump into the eight levels, okay? These are the eight levels of tzedakah, each one being greater than the other. So it starts at the top. The greatest level, higher than all the rest, is to fortify a fellow Jew and give him a gift, a loan, form him, with him a partnership, or find work for him until he is strong enough so that he does not need to ask others for sustenance. Of this, it is said from Leviticus 25:35, if your kinsman, being in straits, comes under your authority and you know him as though a resident alien, let him live by your side. That is to say, that is, that is as if to say, hold him up so that he will not fall and be in need. So that is the first level: is having a part in them creating their own money somehow. Whether the gift or loan is what they use in order to start a business or whether it's that you find them work, that is top shelf. Very significant. The one lower, the one level lower than this is one who gives zadaka to the poor and does not know to whom he gives, and the poor person does not know from whom he receives. There is a an interesting part in here, and I, I don't know if I've actually really heard of this before, but there's this tradition that there's this mitzvah of a thing called the Chamber of Secrets in the Holy Temple, where secretly people, the, the wealthy, would put money in there, and secretly the poor would take it out. And so it was this, like, chamber where there was this very high level of tzedakah happening because no one knew where what came from and who was taking what. It was very interesting. I've also heard the tradition that the wealthy would sometimes, they had, because back in those days, they wore robes, right? And I guess if you were wealthy, you had really long robes. So um, they would put coins on the ends of their robes so that as they walked, they would just, you know, fall off and the poor could come and take them. And neither, and so that the, the wealthy would never know who it was that, that they had given to. That is actually mentioned in one of the other levels. because oh, my God. Uh, well, no, because in that case, it... It's a one poor side. knew, yeah, the poor knew who it was, but the, the righteous man didn't know who it was. You're right, you're right. But yeah, yeah. Uh, this, this, of course, this level of charity reminds, uh, I think, us of Yeshua's words in Matthew 6. We already mentioned it, right? The Pharisees who were blowing trumpets, are sounding an alarm before they gave, where Yeshua says, Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your right hand do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you very cool and then so this sure, one, surely Rambam did not quote the master that would be interesting wouldn't it i think at the very least they're working with very similar source material so, so what did Rambam actually say well rambam's was you to the the one level under so level two of the top right yeah it, level two is when you give and you don't know who you're giving to and, and the poor man receives and they don't know who it yeah. gave it yeah. gave to so this one is and we're on, are we on three we're on we're about to go on three three oh. is the so one level lower is so this is three. One who gives tzedakah, and the giver knows to whom he gives, but the poor person does not know from whom he takes. Uh, this was, such did the great sages who would go in secret and throw money into the doorways of the poor. So, 
that it was it's because we're getting to the one that Joshua just mentioned, but this is where the story is there would be obvious shacks in various places where poor people would live, and so the righteous would just toss the coins into there. So they knew who was there, right? So the righteous person knows who's there, but the poor had no idea where this money was coming from. It was just showing up. Nice. And this I'm is actually, it, I, I think, I could be off, but <clears throat> I feel like this is sort of the same concept behind giving to an organization today. Like, yeah, you yeah. as the righteous person know more or less to whom you're giving, not necessarily the person by name, but you kind of have a general idea you're giving to this part of the world or this type of person and so forth. But the person who's receiving has no idea where it came from. Yes. Yeah. And I think the reason why Rambam Ramban um, emphasizes right? the, the, the M, uh, Ram, 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 excuse me. Yeah. Why Rambam emphasizes the importance of not knowing and who knowing? A lot of it has to do with dignity. Um, it's yeah. really important that um, uh, it. It's important to understand that begging is very. Un, it's not only undignified; it's humiliating. It's degrading, hmm. and the idea is that by one side or the other not knowing, or best of all, both sides not knowing. You preserve the dignity of the poor man. Amen. He doesn't have to look the righteous man in the face and ask him for money. And the righteous man doesn't see him in his need. So there is something very powerful about preserving the poor man's dignity. And that's thing you see with, um, with uh, even with things like the, like the, whip, the beatings, you know, like there's a, the penalties for sin. There's like whips so you can only whip him so many times because otherwise you see him, you know, degraded. And it's kind of that same idea. It's like when you see someone who, who's gotten to the point where they literally have to ask strangers for money, it's it's a sad thing. Yeah. And it's best to try to avoid that. Even even the uh, the three or four reasons why you don't need to go to war. How it's masked the man who loses heart is masked right. with the guy who got married, the guy who owns a field, the guy right. who just received something else. I forgot what the other one was. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's the idea of upholding the dignity. I'm glad you brought that one up because right here in the chapter, so this is from uh, Maimonides' Mishnah Torah, and there's literally a chapter called Gifts of the Poor. So this is the chapter 10 of that section, Gifts for the Poor. If anyone wanted to look it up, it's actually on safari.org. It's a great, the, uh, the rest of his stuff is really, really good. Uh, but one of the things that really stood out to me, and it hits exactly what you were saying, Joshua. So this is a quote from Gifts for the Poor, chapter 10. It says, Anyone who gives tzedakah to a poor person with a scowl and causes him to be embarrassed, literally causes his face to fall in shame, even if he gave him a thousand zoos, I'm assuming that's a lot of money, has destroyed and lost any merit thereby. Rather, one should give cheerfully, with happiness, to do so and empathy for his plight. As it is said from Job 30, 25, did I not weep for the unfortunate? Did I not grieve for the needy? And one should speak to him words of comfort and consolation. As it is said in Job 29, 13, I received the blessing of the lost. I gladdened the heart of the widow. He actually, in addition to the words uh, of, or I'm sorry, in addition to the giving of charity, there's a special aspect of that mitzvah to add on to it words of encouragement and, sure. and words that uplift the person that you're giving to if there's a direct giving there. Uh, but to your point, Joshua, I, I agree. I think a lot of the organizations, I mean, especially ones that, you know, you, you kind of research and you look into, that's part of what they do is it's like they are upholding the dignity. <coughs> they're they're right. giving with joy. They're making their, they're enriching the lives of the people too. And supporting them is kind of like us helping to make yeah. that happen. So yeah. it's really you cool. Know, and I think that um, one thing uh, this kind of cool happened the other day is um, I work uptown, so you see people a lot, some of the same people. One of the weird things is that if you, <laughs> sometimes you actually get to know them. Um, and uh, I was walking around uptown, I, I literally had no cash on me at all. So I walked past this one guy who I've seen before. Um, uh, and I like, uh, and I, but I know his name, you know, for the preservation of the innocent here, we'll say his name was John. You know, it's not John, but. You know, hey, um, hey, John, sorry, man, I got nothing on me today. But you know what's cool? He, he, he just kept going. He's a good guy. But he's like, he says something about, you know, um, hey, you're my name. And, you know, I did think about it, like, talking about, like, you know, words of encouragement. You know, it's, I, I like to think that, like, 
that's got to be meaningful by itself too. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you if you are in a situation where you have to ask people for for money on a regular <coughs> basis, um, probably likely to get treated pretty badly. Mm-hmm. And hopefully, it, it, hopefully it's 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 a positive thing for someone to know who you are, even mm-hmm. if they don't really know you, even if they don't have time to really talk to you. It's like, but at least there's. There's some sort of small connection there. But I like that idea of words of encouragement. That's very cool. Yeah. I have to think about that one. So the next level here, so we're on level four, is one, so one level lower is when the poor person knows from whom he takes, but the giver does not know to whom he gives. Such was the way of the sages who would tie coins to their garments and would throw the bundle over their shoulder so the poor would come up behind them and take them without being embarrassed. Also, uh, still a high level here. And then the next level is the, to give to him with one's own hand before he can ask. So huh. it, maybe in, in some of the examples, Joshua, that you were giving, you know, before someone asks you, that I guess that, that would be the case here, uh, if, especially if you got to know somebody uh, somehow. I, there was a, I, I tried doing that one huh. time and it, it felt a little, it was, it was a little different because you, you actually have to make a judgment call that right. somebody is poor enough to, to merit the, so it's, it's already a weird feeling, but, um, yeah, anyway. Anyone that, look back at, it's like, it's kind of like you walk up to somebody in a store and they're wearing the same color as the uniform. Like, Excuse me, where is this located? It's like, I don't work here. Right. It's like, <laughs> yeah. It's like, I don't Dude, I'm money. a VP at Bank of America. What's wrong with you? We just... I, this is my day off. <laughs> I, I went for a jog. <laughs> we just watched First Night with Sean Connery and uh, some girl. And uh, he, he's going to marry her. And she's the uh, head of some town. And when she shows up in the town, she knows everybody there needs more than she. And she's ready. She's ready to give. And she knows that everyone needs to receive. And they all love her for it. Because she's willing always to give. It really is kind of neat. I can appreciate this one very much. Absolutely. That's good. That's a good idea, though. I hadn't thought about that. Because there are occasions, especially especially because you'll see some of the people who will actually be sitting in a certain place, you know? Mm-hmm. So you know. You know. You know. They're going to ask. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so the next level of charity is to give after he asks. So also a good one. Uh, uh, these two... Five? Uh, that was number, number six. six. So number seven and number eight are, are you know, they're, they're still, it's obviously still counted as charity. So we heard Rambam's strong words when you actually embarrass somebody through your giving. This was not like your example, Joshua, where you were talking about a man who is giving just to basically get the recognition. But uh, there's the <coughs> other one where you're actually like, you end up embarrassing someone when you give. That, that is like as if it wasn't even charity. Uh, but the seventh level is to give to him less than one should, but with kindness. It's there isn't a whole it, much else to that one, and I feel like that one kind of I I read that and thought I like that fleshed out a little bit more. Uh, but yeah, I'll read that again. So the seventh level is to give him the the person that you're giving charity to less than you should, but with kindness. Could be, since we just, the two levels above it were about giving before someone asked and then giving after someone asked, though this one being right underneath that one, it could be that you're giving someone less than what they asked for, maybe. I, that was, that's maybe one way of looking at that. Um, less than one should. See, that's, that is tricky because it's not typical, I'd say, that when somebody asks you for money, you give them your entire 10% budget of charity, right? You, you typically are, are kind of spacing things out a bit. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's so much the 10% thing. I, I, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I've, I've never taken 10% of my ch- paycheck and, and stuck it in my wallet 
with the intention of giving it, giving it away. Um, and, and sort of grabbing part of it and going, I'm only going to give you this much because I need to give to other people. You know, right. I've, I've not been in that habit. Um, but I surely have been in a situation where I'm, I'm led to give. And I think that I'm led on how much I should give. And I don't. That's where I think this is coming from. Hmm. I mean, you can't give less than you should unless you know how much you should give. give. Good point. There was a, uh, a, a neat tradition from Rabbi Karlbach on this. He's the five dollar bill guy. He's the five dollar bill guy. So what yeah. he would do in New York, he would and he would get five dollar bills. He felt like that was enough to that you could do something with it. It wasn't you know fifty cents. At the same time, it was not too much that it was not like embarrassing to receive that amount. Um, now, granted, this was twenty years ago, so maybe you could use ten dollar bills today. But the point is that like. His intent was to hand out fives, um, and it was really cool because when he died, um, there was a collection of like the poor in New York who showed up at his funeral wow. because he was the five dollar bill guy, and they knew him for that. And I yeah. think that was just really, really amazing. That especially because you know, you're talking about a man who, who's not necessarily wealthy, um, who's giving uh, uh, generously. Mm. That's cool. How many of these you got? Well, this is the last level. The eighth? The eighth level. You ready? And then this is it's, it's oh, the one that I mentioned. No, uh, well, basically, right? So it's it's it just says the the lowest level is to give to one begrudgingly. Uh-huh. Yeah. One uh, to to kind of wrap up. So these were I think they're helpful guides, right? Like so. Obviously, this is this is Rambam, and the Mishnah Torah is kind of a halakhic book, and so you, you could take this very seriously and and try to establish this as your halakha and everything, and that would be great. But even if you didn't, just kind of learning the lessons from these, I think it's just important. Uh, one thing is Yeshua already said it, but it's reiterated here: anonymity is is a a, a blessing. It it preserves the dignity of the person that you're giving to. And it also some there's there's a funny way that maybe it enhances the joy a bit or, or like the thrill because there's this it almost uh, almost I don't know it feels almost like you're like a spy or something you know and you're you're kind of like you're you're setting it up to where you're not even sure who this is going to but you know you have the excitement of knowing that it is going to bless someone um, and then you know, of course the highest level there being being able to somehow provide. A job for somebody, or getting them a job, or, or helping them with a loan when they need to get back on their feet, or something yeah. like that. It's yeah. that is an extremely high form of charity and a really big blessing to people. So looking for those opportunities, I think, are excellent. Uh, I I think the uh, a great lesson was being cheerful, not only when you are in front of somebody. That's a crucial moment to to be encouraging when you give to somebody, but also when you're not, and you just see money leaving your bank account, but being cheerful about that, I think is very important. There is a, one of the last things from this section from Rambam was something that, I guess I hadn't really heard this before, but it, it's this idea of like an additional way of seeing tzedakah where you put family first, I hadn't really thought about this before, so I'll go ahead and read this, but this was uh, just another point that he wanted to emphasize. And he said, One should give sustenance to one's sons and daughters who have come of age and to whom one is no longer required to give such support so that they may study the testimonies of Torah and to guide one's daughters on an upright path and not become shameful. And then it also says, So also one should give sustenance to one's father and mother, for this is essential tzedakah. It is an important principle of tzedakah that a relative take precedence over another. All who give food and drink to the poor and the orphans from his own table can call to God and he will be answered with joy. As it is said in Isaiah 58, 9, then when you call, the Lord will answer. So he, when you, when you kind of read his whole chapter as a collection, it, this was an important principle that he wanted to drive home is if you ha- 
have an opportunity for Tanaka that's close to home, that's also something that takes precedence over the random guy on the street. Sure, sure. Um, so that was an interesting point from that perspective. And then he also really flushes out this idea, and this is probably one of the hardest, because I know James mentions this, I think Yeshua mentions this, but it's this concept of like welcoming the poor yeah. or the needy into your home. Uh, there's huge things around Sukkot, uh, big blessings around having the poor be fed in your actual home uh, and in your actual sukkah. And so he, he goes along this line as well, you know, where you're, you're providing for the poor, you're providing for orphans, you're providing for widows, and you're doing so not at uh, a distance, but at a, a welcoming uh, distance it, it, where, where you're, they're coming into your own home. You know, they, they talk about a, a lot that gets referenced with Abraham, too, being like that, being mm. always having uh, his hospitality was a form of tzedakah. It wasn't just only having his wealthy friends over. It was literally his way of saying, you look hungry. You haven't had food in a while. So instead of me giving to somebody to give to you, I'm just going to have you in my home as if you were just a friend. That, that is so interesting nowadays. And so I, I thought maybe it would be helpful for those listening and for me as well. Does anybody have any thoughts on that? How are we, how are we supposed to do that nowadays? You know, I mean, there, you just have safety concerns and there's a lot of, of interesting intricacies be, behind that, right? We Obviously, one being that the structure of our cities and towns are different than right. everyone living right next to each other. I think it definitely makes it more complicated if you don't live in a big city. Um, it's much more difficult to be around people who like, um, I mean, uh, if you happen to know the beggars uptown, they're not catching an Uber to come down to your house. Right. Um, but that being said, um, I feel like Sukkot is a unique opportunity if you are in an area where people can walk to where you live. Um, if only because a sukkah is intentionally a dwelling outside your home, that it allows for a little bit more of that security mm. and, and, and distance, I guess. But at the same time, you can be hosp hospitable. Um, uh, and I, so that, that's definitely an option. I do think, though, that there's a couple of things to consider for here. One, um, you definitely have to be thinking of your family first. I think about especially your small children, you want to be very wary of who you have around them. And number two, um, some people who are on the street are, are on the street for um, really bad reasons. You know, they may have certain types of addictions, they could be attached to certain types of crime, they could also be in mentally disturbed. So definitely I think that some of those things come into play as well. I wouldn't just, I would be careful, <laughs> to say the least. But at the same time, um, I've actually done this on one occasion. I, I was in Israel. We had a, we set up a sukkah in the middle of a big city, Jerusalem. And um, I had a couple friends of mine. I made sure I had some friends over so it wasn't just me. And we went and, um, we went and found a random guy on the street to come sit and have lunch with us in our sukkah. Um, and it was really cool. Really weird. Turned out to be a Palestinian whose like, aunt was a terrorist, which was kind of funny. He wasn't, thankfully, but <laughs> it was just a really interesting experience. So I, th I think this is, uh, I think Joshua's building a framework that's that's good. Um, I don't have any biblical mooring for this other than the, the mandate that a, a man should protect his family and his home, etc., and is primarily responsible for his wife and children and I think that's where, where Josh was coming from. Um, I think if you're single, have a great time, do whatever you want. Carry a handgun. As far as uh, a married man goes, you know what? I think our neighbors can be very poor spiritually. And they may, in fact, be very poor financially. And these give us opportunities if we are to reach out and share our faith and invite them to Sukkot and uh, Shabbos dinner and 
and so forth. Um, I am of the personal belief, and um, if you have more time, I could argue it from the scripture. If you have small children in your home, then you have so many other responsibilities with regard to teaching your children, etc. Uh, that inviting a stranger into your home is probably unwise. And, and I would argue against it until your children are older. Um, and I, I don't care whether you have a handgun, big knife, or, or whatever. Um, but as, as, as Joshua rightly said, many who are down and out are more down than out and at times become desperate and uh, I have recognized the sovereignty of God and in keeping us in spite of ourselves but I personally do not recommend a family with small children to invite strangers into the home I would wait until at least my eldest son or daughter is a great shot with at least a Beretta, if not a Glock. I think to your point, I liked your reference earlier, it's a mistake to think that the poor are just simply those on the street in the big middle of the city. Um, poor has a lot of levels to it, and Judaism teaches that, that that's totally understandable. The wealthy man who loses, you know, loses it all, quote-unquote, um, he's a different kind of poor. He's a different kind of poor, but he's still poor. And I think that that so like you know you have widows in your community who um, may may have no problem making ends meet, may not have you know enough to have a good seder, you know for example, and you invite them over or you. And we've got so many opportunities aside from those who are on the street, right? Who would need a bus or a cab, an Uber or whatever, or be have to be driven to your home. I think that too. I think about there's, people, you know, you, there's folks that people who us. lose employment. I mean, there's lots yeah. of opportunities in your own community, exactly. in your circle, um, as well. Who and just lost their job? Who's a widow, etc. Those, those are placed right in in your backyard. Right, right. And then on top of that, too, I think that um, I like some ministries that don't necessarily bring the person to your home, but are still hospitable. So there's some really neat organizations to do things like going to the un underpass and cooking pancakes, you know, or um, in fact, I think one of the men in this room, not myself, has done that on his birthday at like five in the morning. Mm. Thank you, Greg. <laughs> um, but then uh, I'm, I'm, in addition, you know, there's uh, you know, working in a soup kitchen, um, you know. Or on, on Thanksgiving. Yeah. Cooking meals and delivering to poor families. I mean, there's a lot not of opportunities. Not to go out, but delivering them right to them. Yeah, so there's definitely organizations that allow you to express hospitality, particularly when you have small children, in a way that doesn't um, put anyone at, in, at risk. Yeah. Makes sense. That is a very helpful. I appreciate that. I think uh, it's one of those areas that you need to hear some wise counsel because it's, it's easy to uh, just kind of read something like that and, and just want to jump at that opportunity. Like, wow, we need to have like poor people in our home now, you know? And uh, I think it's helpful to just hear some, some wise balance to that and, and alternative ways of fulfilling the, yeah. the spirit of what the scripture is teaching in that regard. So yeah. I, I appreciate that very much. Thank you, gentlemen. So, you know, uh, one thing my parents sometimes do think about poor people, so to speak, um, they, they like to have over, uh, the Uplums did this too, the, the young single crowd, you know, the people who don't have family around, they're not married, especially right. if they're fresh out of college or whatnot, they may not have a whole lot of money. Yeah, so, you know, the finances are not as important as the fact that they're, they're poor socially. Right. That's another factor too. So, I mean, that's a great opportunity, but and also somewhat poor financially, let's be honest, when yeah. you get started. So, you know, inviting people like that over for your, your Shabbat table is an excellent idea. And it's a great opportunity, especially if it's a chance for you to possibly disciple them or your wife, if it's a, if it's a woman. Um, or on the other hand, if they're if they're a real noble person, you know, maybe getting started, but they're young, they can be an example to your children. You know, here's here's the type of person you want to grow up to be like. You know, someone a little closer to your own age, that kind of thing. Makes sense. Yeah.
Those are excellent. Good job. So that wraps up Biblical Wealth. And uh, it's great to end on a giving note. And hopefully we've gotten inspired and we've, we've understood the gravity of this mitzvah. It is huge. It's, mm-hmm. it's very important. And I know the, those in our community are already doing it, which is why I was saying how hopefully this has just inspired us to be that much more passionate about it and, and excited about it. So That's good. clearly, uh, I think this was, it was a good discussion to bring up the subject and to kind of put in our minds the associations when we hear money, when we think wealth, to have the, the correct and biblical associations with that. Because if you spend any time reading Fortune or reading Wall Street Journal or reading any financial news, reading financial books, looking at any of that stuff, it's easy to, to get very distracted with, mm. I just, I, I want to go after the number. I want to go after the money. I'm going to make a goal to make this much a year. I'm going to make a goal to, to save this much a year, like to get obsessed with the money itself. And so hopefully, and completely the, forget the other side. Exactly. Hopefully, this class can, whenever we we start feeling ourselves getting to that point, uh, we can realign and view wealth through a biblical lens. Amen. And you've given to us by sharing this, these many classes. Thank you for well all done. your uh, well many. Um, Talmudic references that I can't say correctly. Wow, yeah. Some of those are amazing, huh? It's it's, uh, it's fun sometimes to just have like, you know, quotes from various Jewish literature reinforcing those points. You well enough to pray? I am. Although first, do you um, logistically, do you plan us to meet next week? We take a week off? We're going to take a week off and then uh, you're picking up with, what are you teaching? The Six Remembrances? The Six Remembrances. It's That's in your uh, not only in the uh, Sitter, but there's another, isn't there a book on that one too? You're thinking the Six Constant Mitzvot. Yeah, it's between the, yeah, okay. Yeah. Of, there's a lot of number six going around. I got it. It's almost perfect. Go. All right. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for a chance to talk about giving. We thank you for all that you've given to us. We pray that you would help us to give with a cheerful heart, um, to look for opportunities to give and to. Uh, be excited about that. Pray that you would provide for us financially, that we would have not only the capacity to give, but the capacity to give with joy, um, and that it would be an easy thing for us, and at the same time, it would be a time to to really bless others. I pray that you put people in our path who are needy, and that you open our eyes to see them, and to uh, to understand exactly what it is that we should be giving. Yes. We, uh, we thank you for uh, all your many blessings in our lives, mm. and for all things you name. Amen. Amen.